Well, a new national report reveals banks aren't doing enough to reimburse victims of scams. And we know about them. The phone rings. Every second phone call seems to be a scammer these days. You either get the recorded message telling you money's been taken out or they're trying to be the Nigerian prince version of that, at least. Uh, ASIC, the Australian Securities and Investment Commission, saying the big four are only paying back between 2 and 5% of money customers are losing to scams. ASIC's report out today is fueling calls from consumer advocates to hold banks more accountable. Uh, people with you know hundreds of thousands of dollars stolen from their savings account by a scammer, tens of thousands, even a few thousand. I mean, it doesn't matter. As much money as they can get, they will try and get. Uh, there's, there's a case of one woman who had almost 100000 taken. Uh, she was given a $5,000 settlement, which she refused. Uh, collectively, the banks have only stopped about 13% of their customers' money falling into the hands of fraudsters. There's a lot more that can be done, according to ASIC, and the deputy chair is Sarah Court, who is on the line. Sarah, good morning. Thank you for your time. Good morning. Thank you for having me on. So only 13%. That's a trifle, isn't it? That's loose change. Back of the couch money. Look, we did find a range of concerning uh, statistics here, um, and let me just take you through a couple of them. So we found that of the four major banks, and we looked at them very closely over the over a 12-month period, and we found that customers of those banks were losing more than $550 million uh, to scams, becoming scam victims effectively over the course of that year. Now, we did find that the banks were making efforts to detect scams and to prevent them where they could, but we did find that it was only in about 13% of cases that the banks were actually able to detect that a scam payment was being made and prevent it. Now, that, that's a, a start, but obviously those detection and prevention measures need to improve. I think the most interesting finding, though, was that, as you say, once a scam victim has lost money to a scam, and we're talking, as I said, hundreds of millions of dollars here, that basically the bank customers are bearing those losses. So the banks are only reimbursing about, we think, you know, 4% odd of that money. So 96% of those scam losses are being borne by the customers. Do banks have an obligation to reimburse? I think it's fair to say, Matthew, it is a complex situation and there's a lot of people thinking about this um, at the moment. The banks, what we're calling on the banks to do is to improve their approaches once a scam victim has lost money, to take a broader approach to liability. So what we found was that the banks are, and it did vary, um, I must say, vary amongst the banks, but they were taking a quite narrow approach to liability and an inconsistent approach. And, you know, what, what we would expect is that these banks would have an, a bank-wide approach to dealing with victims of scams and that a customer of that bank could be confident about how their issue will be dealt with. But what we found was that really the, the approaches to these issues about liability, reimbursement and compensation varied very significantly bet uh, between the banks, but importantly, even varied within the banks. So, for example, if you're, you've lost the money and you dealt with the scams complaint line, you were much less likely to get some kind of compensation than you did if you called the, uh, contacted the bank's general complaint area. 
So we think that that doesn't work for customers. You know, customers need to know it doesn't matter where they ring, who they speak to within a bank, that their claim, their issues will be dealt with compassionately because these are really significant issues for people, as we well know, but also in a consistent way. All right. So is the consensus then that banks, they're there to help, and and clearly in some cases they are, but uh, are they uh, not doing enough essentially to to rein that money in? And again, coming back to my my point on obligation, I mean, they're running ads at the moment, as you'd be aware, uh, warning people of scams and to be alert and to hear the alarm bells and all of that. Does that get them off the hook for paying back if people are then um, making the error of falling for a scam? Yeah, I, I think I'd be careful talking about scams in the sense of making errors too, just because these are, you know, I think this whole issue of a scam, that the word scam can be used pretty lightly. But what these people are quite often is victims of organised crime that's run internationally, that is very sophisticated and very targeted. So we've got to be, you know, really understand what what scams are. They are often the outcome of organised crime. I think, secondly, the banks are making, you know, reasonable efforts, absolutely, with trying to warn their customers about things. And we're all getting those messages, you know, from our banks all mm. the time about be careful, be careful. And, and you know, we really welcome that and, and we encourage that. I think where our analysis and our report really raised some questions, though, was, look, you can do all, all you can, certainly, up front to try to protect someone from becoming a victim to a scam. But once they have, once they unfortunately have that experience, you know, what happens next? And I think it's in that situation, Matthew, that we're really calling on the banks to really think carefully about how are they responding to their customers? Have they got the right resourcing? Have they lifted the capability of their staff to deal with these kind of distressing situations? And given the increasing volume, the increasing sophistication of, of scams and the ever-increasing uh, number of victims and money lost, you know, are they really turning their attention to that? And then secondly, this whole question about, well, you know, who, who should be bearing the losses for these issues? It's not a straightforward um, issue um, and... We know that things are going to be, to some extent, on a case-by-case analysis, but we really are finding, as I said earlier, a real inconsistency in approach, and that is deeply disturbing for bank customers. Yeah, it is, and and I suppose, too, the distress of having money lifted from your account, whether it's due to you know uh, somebody uh, on the end of the line effectively conning an individual into handing over money they think is legitimate, the distress of that can be compounded from what you're saying, and I'm reading between the lines a bit here, but if they're not handled correctly by the bank at the other end, that distress would just compound, wouldn't it? Oh, indeed. Indeed it would. And, and I think that's part of the message that we're trying to get across is, you know, these people are victims of a crime. They need to be uh, dealt with. Um, issues need to be explained. They have to, we have to, uh, banks should be assessing do they have any particular vulnerabilities? Yeah. You know, we need to have staff that are properly uh, trained and experienced to be able to deal with people that are dealing with, you know, some of these people have genuinely lost their life savings, you know, are genuinely in very, very serious predicaments um, and they need confidence in the way that they deal with their bank and how their bank will deal with those issues. Yeah, so more compassion, clearly. Are you, the Commission, in a position to enforce any of that? At this stage, the whole issue of scams is something that is being considered by the government. So there is a National Anti-Scam Centre um, on its way, and ASIC and a whole range of other 
regulators will be involved in that centre and the government is considering policy options along these lines. So at the moment, what we're doing is really trying to have a close look at you know, what banks are doing. We recognise banks are one part of a very complex suite of issues that also involves the telecommunications companies, mm. the digital platforms and a whole range of other industry players. But banks are a really important part of that ecosystem because we know that still most people lose money to scams by making payments through their banks. And so we really wanted to take a close look at what the banks are doing in response to that. Yeah, yeah, all right. And look, I had a question just yesterday. We were talking about scams and somebody put up the point that, uh, a listener put up the point that uh, we uh, we have so many smart people in cybercrime in the AFP and uh, other areas, ASIC, obviously, etc. Why can't we just stop the scammers at the gate before they make contact with people? We know they mask numbers, they mask emails. Are there no ways of preventing that from happening? Look, I think there are lots of things that are being done to try to prevent that, and certainly in relation to the telecommunications industry, I know they're doing a lot of work to try to prevent, for example, scammers being able to impersonate legitimate numbers. We know the banks are off, are doing a, a lot of work trying to prevent their brand names and yeah. logos and things from being used. But, you know, we have to recognise that these scammers are, as I said earlier, these are sophisticated criminal groups yes. that are able to defraud hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, and so law enforcement can do as much as it can. And, you know, we always need to do more. We want to be the first to recognise that. But there isn't an easy solution mm-hmm. here. What we're trying to do is to make Australia a really hard country in which uh, scammers operate. And some of the things that we've been talking about in our report, we think will go that way. And perhaps just before I finish, one other really important thing that we found in our analysis was that customers that complained and raised issues with their banks, we saw them, they were more likely to receive some kind of reimbursement or liability. So if you are a scam victim, you know we, we suggest you do take that up with your bank won't necessarily solve the day for you, but you've certainly got a better chance of getting some money back um, if you're getting on the phone to them and dealing with their complaints department. Yeah, all right. So uh, this, and this goes to the heart of this particular person in the Herald Sun today, this woman with 97000 taken out, the bank offering five back, which uh, she's rejecting. Uh, I presume that's going to go further through a, a legal process, but um, clearly uh, banks aren't willing to, to fork out the, the whole amount because just because they've let a scammer access the account. Yeah, well, I think, you know, it is a complex issue because a lot of these scams that we're talking about Mm. are what we call authorised transactions. So a customer has been tricked into transferring their money over. Uh, The banks have tried to detect it. You know, in many cases, they haven't been able to stop it. But what's happened is that the customer has authorised the payment um, of that scam money. And, you know, so the, the banks are saying, well, you know, we tried to warn you, but you've paid the money anyway. And yeah. what we're saying, look, that that's not enough. Um, we really need to make sure that the banks have well understood, consistent approaches when these things happen. It shouldn't depend on, you know, who the customer happens to talk to within the bank yes. as to what the outcome is. We need bank-wide clearly documented and articulated strategies for how a bank is going to deal with the customer in the situation. Yeah, and across the board, every bank on the same page type thing. Mm. Well, that's right. It shouldn't really matter, you know, who you bank with. Mm. Um, you should be able to be confident about what's going to happen if you really, unfortunately, fall victim um, to one of these very complicated scams. Yeah. Sarah, fascinating discussion. Thank you for your time. Great speaking with you and I appreciate uh, your efforts today. Thank you.
Thank you very much. Sarah Court, Deputy Chair of the Australian Securities and Investment Commission.